This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. My greatest wins as a mom stem from moments of failure. A kinder, more compassionate world starts with kind and compassionate kids. In Raising Good Humans, you'll find powerful and practical strategies to break free from reactive parenting habits and raise kind, cooperative, and confident kids. Whether you're running late for school, trying to get your child to eat their vegetables, or dealing with an epic meltdown in the checkout line at a grocery store, being a parent is hard work. And as parents, many of us react in times of stress without thinking, often by yelling. But what if, instead of always reacting on autopilot, you could respond thoughtfully in those moments, keep your cool, and get from A to B on time and in one piece? With this book, you'll find powerful mindfulness skills for calming your own stress response when difficult emotions arise. You'll also discover strategies for cultivating respectful communication effective conflict resolution, and reflective listening. In the process, you'll learn to examine your own unhelpful patterns and ingrained reactions that reflect the generational habits shaped by your parents, so you can break the cycle and respond to your children in more skillful ways. When children experience a parent reacting with kindness and patience, they learn to act with kindness as well thereby altering generational patterns for a kinder, more compassionate future. With this essential guide, you'll see how changing your own autopilot reactions can create a lasting positive impact, not just for your kids, but for generations to come. An essential must-read for all parents, now more than ever. Valeria Tellis interviews Hunter Clark Fields, the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Hunter Clark Fields is a mindfulness mentor, host of the Mindful Mama podcast, creator of the Mindful Parenting online course, and author of the new book, Raising Good Humans, by New Harbinger Publications. She helps parents bring more calm into their daily lives and cooperation in their families. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and yoga practices and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide. Meet Hunter at MindfulMamaMentor.com. Here's the interview with Hunter Clark Fields. In your own words, who is Hunter Clark Fields? <laughs> well, that is the name they call me, right? <laughs> but um, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Who is Hunter Clark Fields? Because I think that when I dig down deep who we are as individuals is um, an interesting question because I think we're a conglomerate of a lot of different things, of pieces of our our past, uh, biology from our ancestors, and um, 
and all the different things that have made us who we are today, but we are also deeply interconnected. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a live in a culture that's very individualistic. And I guess th- I'm answering this question this way because I like to push back against that in that we are, mm-hmm. we inter are and that, you know, I am um, also part of my, my family, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be here without the sun and, and the rain and all of the different things. And, and so I'm, I inter am with all the elements of the earth, I guess, <laughs> so that, to, to take it in an, into a deep place right away. <laughs> mm, wow, I love that. <laughs> Since I can't have small conversations, <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yes, I absolutely love this perspective. When you say that everything's connected, would that be technically being spiritual? Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I'm not crazy about the word spiritual because the word spirits kind of reminds me of like ghosts or something, you know, <laughs> yes. and I'm just like, right. I'm not sure I believe in like ghosts <laughs> flying around. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it, it is a word that works for a lot of people. Um, because <laughs> I guess I think that, you know, when the things that we talk about in the name of spirituality, for me, are deeply grounded. You know, we, um, there's, there's a, a, a saying that my teacher, I've studied a long time with, um, the teachings of the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, and he says, no mud, no lotus. And I really love that saying because it's like without all of our compost, all of the like crap, literally, right? (laughs) All the difficulties, all the challenges, we wouldn't be able to have like with the lotus then um, Mm -hmm. symbolizing enlightenment, like freedom from suffering, like aware, you know, waking and awareness um, without no mud, no lotus means that like we are a part of the earth and we inter are with everything. And so our challenges and our difficulties are what make us, um, make us grow and, and wake up and have more compassion and more awareness and more awakeness. So, uh, it's like it's the word spirituality makes it feel like to me feels very sort of airy and not grounded in of the earth and my Uh, awareness of these things is really very earthy, I guess. So talk to me for a moment about 2020. What insights have you gained from the events in 2020? Oh my goodness, 2020. What a year, isn't it? Um, Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot to think about in 2020. I think that we're all waking up to a lot of things that maybe were under the surface and kind of hidden by our busyness. And now we all slowed down and a lot of things came to the surface that other people were aware of, like racial injustice and people, um, you know, being, you know, led by false claims and, and false and, and, and belief in, you know, I don't know. It's, it's really amazing. I guess for me, what 2020 really ground home though, was for me, what's important, you know, and it really ground home as it was kind of taken away the importance of connection and contact with our friends, our, our families, the people in our lives, like the suffering that we've had as everyone's had, you know, whether you're, you know, comfortable or you're on the front lines or whatever, 
from being that's has been in many for many a, an incredibly hard part to just be not be able to have that contact to to look at my friend six feet away and like open my arms and say I wish I was hugging you right now and and I'm just missing that that touch that connection and just to see how vital that is to us, right? Like the back to that sense of like, we think we're individuals, but we really are interconnected. We really, we're, we, we're interdependent, you know, and we don't like that word dependence, but we depend on each other and that's okay. That's just part of who we are. And, and that's been a huge lesson for me. Um, that is an, an interesting insight that we all connected, but somehow we think differently, most of us do, and believe that uh, we'll create all these separation ideas. So I'm wondering why that happens, Hunter. Why do oh. we separate? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think that it has a lot to do with has a lot to do with culture, uh, of course, like the, you know, in the United States, we celebrate the like rugged individualist, you know, the, the one person who's just different from everybody else and can, it comes in and saves the day. Um, that kind of thing. We have all these stories about the hero's journey yeah. <laughs> who does it all by themselves. Um, okay. and, I, so, you know, there's something, and, and, and that makes a lot of sense when you think of a country that was founded by immigrants, people who were brave enough to like leave wherever they were and go to a different place. Of course, I'm not speaking about like, you know, the Native American challenge and things like that. But if you think about most of the people who came here were people who were really maybe very individualistic, right? Maybe yeah. not so interconnected with yeah. their communities, I suppose. But I think in another sense, there's, you know, this sense of self, right? This sense of who, you know, who am I as Hunter Clark feels like, or, you know, that, that sense of, um, that's part of ourselves that wants to keep a, that sort of small sense of self, right. That wants to yeah. keep us separate and, and, and it's a, it's parts of ourselves that want to keep us safe. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and the survival mechanism and right. all of those things. And so all of that sort of plays in together in, in a myriad of different ways. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? Wow, that's quite a warm up. <laughs> right, it's a yeah, fire up. <laughs> you know, I guess it kind of depends on. I think that uh, then maybe then that depends on the individual. But you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's a big, big, big question, Valerie. The, you know, it it really depends on us. We've got to think about. We've got to we got to take care of ourselves to serve others, right? We want to serve others in the world. We want to, um, take care of our, take care of our planet, like be part of passing on, you know, wisdom, part of evolving our, our, our species, part of, part of the healing, right. Of, of the wounds that are just inevitable, uh, in, in the growth, right. Is that, you know, I think that probably the listener who's listening to this and is, is, is probably also part of the healing, right. Wants to be part of, um, making, growing and, and making things a better, better in the bits that, in the ways that we can, right. Whether it's just like smiling at the person you see, <laughs> the next person you see, or it's, um, taking a break when you're feeling 
upset. And so you don't say harmful things to the people you love or whether it's creating, you know, an incredible like business that serves people or incredible nonprofit or serving the, you know, the government and the collective or, you know, all those different ways that we can serve in ways that feel right to us. Yes, that really resonates true to me very much, even if it's not a belief system. It's interesting how life guides us or takes us to that place eventually. If you think of love as a verb, right? Like, because yeah. I think of love as a verb, it's like something we do. Mm, right, and when we right. give attention and we care for, that's really our act of loving, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my next question is about being a mother. Uh, what does it mean to be a mother or a parent per se? Well, you know, we are these caretakers of these other other human beings that are there it's pretty wild (laughs) Uh, you know it's so interesting when I think of when my first daughter was born um had this like intense sort of birth experience and you know we're in this room and it was myself and my husband and there were two there's a midwife and an assistant and um you know it was all like intense and and then all of a sudden there was this there were five people in the room rather than four people in the room. Like, it was just amazing to have this sense of like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden there's a whole other person here. And the sense of awe that you are this whole other person that's now in my life and the the incredible sense of awe and kind of responsibility for that. Um, I think to, to be a parent means to, you know, we want to do the best we can, meaning we want our kids to like, at least when I think for me, I want what I want for my kids is I want them to feel comfortable in their skin. I want them to, um, feel comfortable taking risks, feel comfortable with their difficult feelings, feel comfortable talking to me. And so that means keeping my connection with them and relationship with them alive and strong. And, It means um, doing my best not to pass on my my own baggage uh, as best I can, you know, and and making sure some some of those generational patterns that aren't so are are harmful they they stop with me as best I can, and I and I also think I want to just add in here that it you know, we want to really love our children, but we have to also let them live their lives. Right. And so part of the process of being a parent is this like, you know, we're holding on, like when they're babies, we're holding on, we're holding on, we got them close, we're holding them close. And then we're, it's just that, uh, you know, as my daughter, my oldest daughter is going to be 14 soon. And it's this continual process of, of, of letting go. And that's, that's an incredibly deep and um, challenging process too. I'm not a mother. I often ask the question about how do you do that? How do you let another human being, you love them, and but how do you let them to be themselves? How, talk to me for a moment about that, Hunter. How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, with our kids, it's funny when, you know, you, you talk about guiding them and we do guide them, but the things that 
the ways we guide them may not be the, the ways we think we do. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so we we think we're gonna like spout this like wisdom to them and whatnot, yeah, and, and yeah. that's not <laughs> so effective. It turns yeah. out like it's like yeah. want 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 like Charlie Brown voice. Right. Um, but really, our kids are like crap at doing what we say generally, but often mm. like they're great at doing what we do, and they really mm. are just absorbing and watching and right. and seeing who we are, right? right? So we our challenge is to really become the become the person we want our kids to be, right? Become that that person. So we have to start to heal ourselves because the thing is that, we, we all probably have some old patterns in us and maybe unskillful means from our own parents where the kind of old school ways of doing things really, um, you know, like using power, using, um, you know, threats and punishments to control our kids, for instance, really created a lot of disconnection and it really um, killed a parent's influence. So the idea that we all kind of have this idea of like, oh, teen rebellion being this like totally normal thing. But really, teens aren't like rebelling against their parents as people. They're rebelling against like these destructive techniques because they've been building up kind of some resentment for for many, many years. And those tech, those kind of you destructive techniques, they really kill the influence that we have. So the more we use power, the less influence we have. Um, in our in our kids' lives, it's really um, instead we really want to think about um, keeping that influence alive. And to do that, we want to think about how you know there's a whole bunch of things there. Like there's healing of ourselves so that we're less reactive. You know, habits that study the heart, the mind, and the nervous system, as well as how are we how are we communicating? How are we creating connection? You know, how are we you know, are, are we saying things that are creating disconnection or creating connection? And, and, you know, it, it's really, uh, about a relationship. They're not rather than like them being a lump of clay, which of course is a crude kind of metaphor, but it's really just like your relationship with your, you, maybe you have a, sp- a spouse or a partner is a relationship that you cultivate. It's the same with your kids where you want to like put those deposits in that relationship bank account. Right. So then when you have to make some withdrawals, there's some, Mm -hmm. there's, there's some credit there. (laughs) (laughs) True. A question that I, a new question that I have been asking is what is the meaning of power? So what is power to you, Hunter? Mm, Well, there's certainly a lot of meanings of power in a lot of yeah. different circumstances. So I guess I'll stick to what I talk about in mindful parenting and in raising good humans. And I guess that in this sense, the use of power is a little bit negative, right? Where we're using power over our, whatever power we have over another to manipulate their actions, right? Rather than, um, so for instance, with a child, I might say, you know, use a threat. Like if you don't do this, I'm going to do, take this thing away from you, therefore make you hurt. So you are threatened to do this thing. Right. And what, you know, and, and for many of us, like including myself, like that's Mm -hmm. honestly like a knee jerk reaction because that's how we were raised. So it's just very natural and normal. Like that's like in there deep comes out quick when we, when we're in a frustrating situation. Um, but 
when we instead, so what I teach instead in raising good humans and in mindful parenting is how to, how to, um, invite your kids to, to, um, to meet your needs instead because, and we do that because of the connection between us, right? So the, it's, it's because your kids love and care about you that they don't, you know, if you're, if you're leaving your toys all over the living room floor and I can't enjoy that space and it's really frustrating me and it hurts when my feet, then they can care. They care about you, you and your experience if you can, you know, and then they can, like be a little bit more motivated to, to pick up those things. Right. So, um, the idea of using power though, is, is kind of like using that, that stick or that carrot, right? Like, um, and we generally, most human beings resent being manipulated. Like it's not something we like to be, we don't like to be ordered. We don't like to be threatened. (laughs) It backs us into a corner. It doesn't feel good. And in a situation like that, you either resist or you submit, but either way it, it kind of stinks. Like if you, um, if you resist, you have a whole big problem and it's difficulty, but if you submit, you know, then you're just under the thumb of this other person. And so that the use of power rather than the, rather than communicating on it more honestly and expressing yourself more honestly and connect and effectively like, um, from that place of relationship and connection and needs, um, is, is ultimately it's not as effective because our kids resist naturally just as all humans do resist someone else trying to use power over them. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I mean, well, let's first define, I guess, to not be free. And so to, to not be free is, you know, to be pushed and pulled by our, a lot of things like to be controlled by other things. So, so other things, including our own habits and reactions and, um, thoughts, right? If we are, if we are, um, you know, if we are not free of, um, if my, if my child, triggers me to like into a rage and I have no ability to, um, to, um, to choose a reaction there. I'm not free. I'm not, you know, I have no, I have no freedom there. And many of us don't have freedom to don't have freedom because we don't have that space right between whatever that stimulus and that response is like it's just we're reactive and we tend to we tend to believe all, all of the like 80,000 thoughts we think every day like we believe every single one of them they feel really true and they feel really important and to me freedom really comes from mindfulness comes from meditation practice the we get this freedom to, um, to see our reactions. They don't like disappear and go away, but we get to see what is that initial impulse. We get to see, Oh, what is that thought? And we get to look at it and say, Oh, look at this. Here's, you know, here's anxiety arising. Isn't that interesting? Like, and I don't have to react to it right away. Or here's this thought, huh? isn't is is i wonder if you know is this true is this helpful i don't i don't have to like immediately b- 
be in it, right? So I, free, to me, freedom is really um, has to do with mindfulness and that ability to separate, to be able to be the observer of what's happening. And that that's the thing that gives us a lot of freedom. It's certainly yeah, a path to freedom. Yeah, it's so true. And it's part of your work too. So I'll be asking you some questions about mindfulness. So you wrote the book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Two initial questions. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration, intention, and the purpose of writing this book? I, uh, I don't know how I, it's funny. Like I, I, I'm not even sure I still consider myself a writer, but I guess I have a book. So yes. I am a writer. Yeah. yeah that makes you a writer. <laughs> True to that. It, it, the, because the truth is the book came out of the work I did to create a, the course, uh, mindful parenting. And for me, I really wanted to create like direct impact, you know, because I, I really struggled and suffered enormously. And then I eventually started working with people who are also struggling and suffering enormously. And I saw that these things, two things needed to come together, right? In the, in the parenting, in, in the mindfulness world, there was this sort of like idea that if we can just calm ourselves down and have more awareness, then everything's going to be great. And that, when I found out was not so true because I could calm myself down and some unskillful thing my parents might have said would come out of my mouth. <laughs> and then it was like set off my little like toddler time bomb again, you know? Um, and then in the parenting world, the, the sort of peaceful parenting world, they teach all these wonderful communication techniques that, you know, it'd be like, you know, just say this, just respond this way and everything's going to be great. Right. And that was incredibly frustrating too, because I couldn't just respond this way when I was like triggered and reactive and my stress response was going right or, or old, um, old habits were coming up and things like that. So I saw that one without the other was not enough, right? Like mindfulness without skillful communication was not enough. Skillful communication without mindfulness was not enough. They needed to come together. And to me, it was like, duh, we need to bring these things together. And so that's really where this book came from was like my own, like, hello, people, we need to put it all together in one place. <laughs> and you did. So yeah. I'll be talking to you, asking you questions about the, um, you have the eight skills to reduce reactivity and practice effective communication, which is exactly the core of your work. So I'll be asking you questions about those eight skills so you can go through them. But before that, talk to me about how you discover mindfulness, Hunter. Well, I struggled when I was a teenager, I, um, or most of my life, really. I, I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person. I, you know, I would fall into sort of these pits of pits, emotional pits, like in a regular basis throughout my life. And my, my father told me, this is just how life's going to be. That is how life is for him. You know, it's, he's very similar to me. Um, and, and so I struggled. And so I started reading about mindfulness as a teenager and, um, I discovered, um, books and teachings and I really dove in. It really provided me a lot of relief to, to simply read about the ideas. And then 
<clears throat> a decade later <laughs> when when I finally was able to sit down for my own meditation practice lo and behold it's like way more effective when you actually do the practice yes. oh yeah <laughs> true not just yeah, intellectualizing right theories yes yeah. Yes, just like you don't get better at tennis when you read books about tennis. But For anyway, sure. <laughs> it really, what, when I actually sat down to practice, it was like, you know, I, you know, I had this whole feeling of like, oh, I'm not doing it right, blah, blah, blah. I'm just thinking the whole time. Yeah. But I really had this. But then I, when I looked back over my life, I had maybe been practicing for two or three months at this point, and I saw a really profound change, a huge change for me. And so like, you know, for 27 years of my life, I'd been falling into those pits and then I didn't fall into any of them for the two or three months. And which was in, an enormous amount of time for me. I mean, so it really, you know, and, and of course everybody's experience is different, but for me, it gave me this freedom to not in this equanimity, right? A, a sense of just like being able to recover more quickly from things that were happening in my life. And I still, you know, for many years after that, I still like, just like, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, here I am lost in thought again as I sit on my cushion. But I, the effects in my life have been incredibly profound and, and helpful. Does it have to be connected, meditation and mindfulness, do they have to be connected to religious beliefs and spirituality? No, I don't think so. I think there is a certainly a, a purely secular practice of mindfulness. It's, you know, it's really uh, just a practice of putting your attention in the present moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. It's not, it doesn't have, you know, the, and, uh, you know, if you look at like, you know, the Buddha, it, it, he doesn't say anything about God or, or not a lack of God or anything like that. He says, all I teach about is the suffering and the end of suffering. And that's really what mindfulness is about. And, and there's so much incredible, you know, scientific data, um, brain scans, all this information like they, Johns Hopkins uh, did a meta study of 47 different studies that showed that mindfulness really um, can decrease uh, anxiety, decreased depression, increased feelings of well-being, you know, have better medical outcomes, better sleep. There's all these, there's all this evidence and, and it really does not have to be tied to a religion for sure. Let's talk about the eight skills. You can choose to explore any of them or let me see, I would say self-compassion. I love that. So please Talk to me about self-compassion, uh, mindful listening. And the other one I would like you to explore is, uh, the last one's beautiful, supporting your peaceful home. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah. So, you know, this, I, I think of the, the mindful parenting method as this whole method to help us really calm our reactivity, be more compassionate and understanding of ourselves and then, you know, express ourselves. Um, so just to address that last one for supporting your peaceful home, the things, there are some things that, um, you know, in our home environment that we can do this work. And if our home environment is chaotic and that, that can, it's not so supportive, right? We want to make our environment a place that supports these practices, whether they're new or, um, these practices. So 
in supporting your peaceful home, I talk about practices of gratitude and practice of simplifying because we want to be able to um, focus on what's important, right? We want to be able to focus on what's important. We want to have an environment that supports us um, in being able to focus on what's important. Talk to me for a moment about mindful listening. Well, it's, you know, interesting, you know, when we're listening uh, in a conversation, not in a, as a podcast listener, but when we're listening in a regular conversation, our, you know, our natural sort of evolved instinct is to like jump in and, and, and we're planning that thought we're going to say next. And, and, and we're not really being present and curious, right? Like instead, like sort of the, the natural uh, habit energies that arise are, you know, sometimes judgment and sometimes like, like just this, like, oh, this, this is what I'm going to say next to this. And this is my own experience that goes with this, right? Rather than being other centered, but, but really when we can really be present and listen and really listen, it's an incredibly healing thing to do. And it's an incredibly connecting thing to do. Um, when we can listen and just put our attention on that space, on the speaker, hear their words, see them with that attitude of kindness and curiosity. Who are you today? Who, you know, what, what is that person saying? What are they not saying? What are the feelings present? You know, really bring, bringing this attitude of curiosity and attention because, you know, you know, we think about love, right? Going back to what we said in the beginning, love is attention. And as we bring that attention and just that presence, it's it's so, so healing for anyone to really be listened to that in that way. And and it may be for you as the listener, if you're practicing mindful listening, that you get a lot of like, oh, and let me tell her about this thing that happened to me <laughs> or, or all these thoughts that arise. And that's okay. That's totally normal. Yeah. It's just that we can then, you know, when we're distracted by that, we can just kindly redirect our attention back and, um, and, and let ourselves just be fully in that moment of hearing those, those words and rather than, rather than planning what we're going to say next. <laughs> it is a form of meditation, isn't it, Hunter? It feels like to me when I'm yes. listening to others. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we're in spaces where, um, you know, maybe a, a space like a, you may be in a group or a, a I don't know, a, a, a sangha, a, a group of meditation practitioners or other situations where we're purposefully like just practicing listening and, and not responding. And that that's a very healing experience, too. So I love the practices in your book, beautiful titled and um, I love the everything about your book. So some of the practices, they are shame, doesn't help with the title of them. You have the practice of loving kindness, meditation. I love the uh, the mantras for patience too, uh, knowing that patience is part of love, <laughs> learning how to express and manifest love. Um, also, uh, mindful acceptance. You have, there's something else that caught my attention here, something that you said. Uh, here you say, empathy, kindness, and non-judgment are hugely beneficial attitudes for us as parents. 
I mean, for us as human beings, <laughs> yeah. empathy, kindness, non-judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of the, the secret uh, thing of, of raising good humans is that these uh, and, and mindful parenting is that these, these skills and practices are, are, are really just relationship skills for really any level. Um, I find that people in the the, in the mindful parenting membership, they often like improve their relationships with their spouses. They're like, Oh my goodness, my relationship with my husband is so much better. Right. And because it's like, these are universal skills. Um, it's, you know, we think that in some ways, but we may not use the robot voice with our husband, but like, <laughs> the others are pretty universal. <laughs> so, so true. <laughs> so true. I love something else that you have in your book. You have the barriers to communication and do outline them. Blaming, uh, name calling, threatening, ordering, dismissing, offering solutions. <laughs> That's an interesting one too. It's a very rich work, though. Thank you for doing that. I have a few more questions for you. Those are the ending questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Oh, yes, sure. I My favorite thing to read is the Mindful Parenting Manifesto. So it goes like this. Um, a mindful parent is a new generation of parent present, evolving, calm, authentic, and free. Mindful parents reject the culture of not good enough, knowing that when we free ourselves from unnecessary stress and limiting stories, our authentic, peaceful nature shines through. Mindful parents practice self-compassion and see their challenges as teachers, not flaws. Mindful parents value wisdom over reactivity, empathy over obedience, and begin anew every day. Mindful parents live what we want our kids to learn, knowing that the best parenting is in modeling. Mindful parents go within and get quiet to access their power. Mindful parents practice presence, create their experience, embrace imperfection, and love themselves. Mindful parents are motivated knowing that with every step, they are changing things for the generations that follow. I am a mindful parent. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And um, I do have these final questions. Yeah, success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Mm, to be at peace with yourself, to be sharing your gifts with the world. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Hmm. I, I think it the hardest lesson to learn is what this book comes from, like how much, how much, how big my temper was, how, how big and scary I had a temper was because it was, it was hard to look at. It was hard to acknowledge. So that was the hardest lesson, but it was the most fruitful. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Hmm. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I'd have to set up some, some, I don't know, I might, uh, you know, I might take my kids out of school and travel to Greece sooner than later. <laughs> oh, wow. That sounds wonderful to me. Greece, why Greece, Hunter? Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, 
I love the, I've been really fascinated by the Greek islands and just want to go there. It's so, so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it sounds peaceful. Yeah, a manifestation of peace on earth, right? Yeah. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Oh, that, you know, we don't, we're not guaranteed any time here. So it's a precious gift. Um, that it's everything is always changing, which is, you know, it, which makes everything possible in a lot of ways. Um, and that our love and connection with each other is what makes it the most valuable thing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your fun, peaceful presence for the work, the compassionate work that you are sharing with all of us and teaching not just parents, but humanity as a whole. And thank you for everything you do and how you do it. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you so much, Valeria. This has been a real pleasure and an honor. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, future projects, your courses, and your podcast? Sure. Really, everything is at mindfulmamamentor.com at the um, website. The Raising Good Humans is there. It's also an audiobook if you're there. And the Ra uh, Mindful Mama podcast is everywhere podcasts can be listened to. Yeah, and I'll have that link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now, Hunter. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Hunter Clark Fields and her work, please visit MindfulMamaMentor.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit FitForJoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.